Introverts rejoice. If you'd rather have a root canal without any medication than to have to shoot a video or put out a Facebook post. If that thought just absolutely sickens you, you're going to love this upcoming podcast interview. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey, gang. Welcome back to the podcast. Russell Westcott here. So if I got your attention with the opening tease to today's um, step four part, it's a four part interview series uh, that I'm going to share with you with one of uh, probably an investor who you've never heard of before. Somebody who you, um, you know, has been flying under the radar. Somebody who has quietly amassed a pretty impressive real estate portfolio. And if you're thinking here and you're listening to this and you're going, well, geez, the only way I can do this, I'm watching everybody else on social media and I'm watching all these things. I need to shoot a a video and I need to post and broadcast it all over social media. And I need to learn how to use a camera to put up a, a YouTube channel. If the thought of all that work um, scares you or or you just don't want to do it, first of all, a couple things. I'd probably challenge you that might be something that you want to investigate into look to doing because sometimes the things that fear we fear the most are the things that we must do. But if it's just absolutely something that just terrifies you and it's just something that you just feel you would not be good at and it's just something you just do not want to do, that's okay. Life is just too short to have to do things that we just don't want to do. And if we just, we just, if it doesn't add value, then what's the point of doing it? So in this upcoming four-part interview series, I'm going to introduce you to a fellow uh, real estate investor named Daniel Borkowski. And um, one thing you'll find with Daniel, he is just a very soft-spoken articulate, intelligent um, investor. He tried the route of going to all the networking groups. He tried the route of posting it all out and breakfast meetings and all these kind of meetings. He tried all that route. And until he came to the conclusion that he just needs to be himself, he needed to invest in himself, and he just needed to be himself in the process of investing in real estate and raising capital. This is a very inspiring story for many of you, if you feel you just have to put it out there in just a, a big, bold, and in-your-face kind of way, this interview series will really resonate with you. Um, you know, I'm not going to set it up anymore, but Daniel and I go into some pretty cool details of how he operates his business. Um, I loved his story of how he found his first uh, investment partner and how just literally from a small handful group of people, he's able to raise all the capital he needs to keep moving his business forward. The other thing you'll get out of this too is being a fantastic operator, being organized. And the better you are as an operator within your business, the more uh, investment partners and more people will be attracted to your business just through word of mouth and referrals. Okay. This is a, like I mentioned, it is a four-part interview series. I've broken it up into about uh, under 30-minute chunks just so you can consume it in in one sitting and you don't have to sit through a a two-hour presentation all at once. This is just very bite-sized. It is very manageable. And each of the sections you're going to listen in the four-part series is a standalone um, 
a standalone class, if you will, and a standalone episode that you will get a tremendous amount of value from it. Okay, gang, let's just get right after it. So please help me welcome in the interview, Mr. Daniel Borkowski. everybody, Russell Westcott here, outside in beautiful, well not quite outside, it's, it's so close, we can just see it, there's a canal going through here, beautiful sunny day out here in Airdrie, and a good friend of mine, Daniel Borkowski, opened up his home for us today to come on in, and you know what, Dan, how long has it been since we've, we've seen each other? First of all, guys, Daniel Borkowski, everyone, Dan, Hi there. give me, hey, give me, give me, give me some skin <laughs> there, brother, good to see you, how you doing, Dan, it's been a long time, you know how long what? has it been since we've, we've just chatted i think about two years now right so yeah it's life just flies by well and uh we just uh, just ran into your lovely wife and two beautiful children they were out going to the splash park so yeah. we may have to get uh, get wrapped up on this quick so we can go put our shorts on <laughs> go too. join them yeah go join them so um we're gonna have some fun today in today's interview um as I don't know if quite the camera can see it, but up top there are these three awards up top on this mantle that shows that joint venture partner of the year and co-venture of the year. So um, Dan knows what he's talking about when it comes to, to joint venture partnerships. And this is going to be a little bit of a different interview than, than what we've had with a lot of people, because sometimes people think that you need to be, you know, the most outgoing, gregarious extrovert, and you just need to go and be on social media, and you need to be, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me, to attract all these joint venture partners. Right. You, you take the almost the exact opposite approach, don't you? Completely opposite Complete. approach. It's your hard guy to get a hold of, right? You were telling <laughs> me true. that I, I, I'm not on Facebook, I rarely go on Messenger, I check my emails once a week and the only way to get text is maybe text me if you have my number right right yeah. so so I'm, I'm yammering on here and i'm talking a lot so i i first wanted to uh, thank you for for um the opportunity to have this conversation yeah, thank you. and um before we dive into a lot of the nuts and bolts of the agenda that i want to cover um, maybe give people some perspective and maybe some context about who you are and where you're from. Uh, one of the things that we're doing here is I'm introducing you to a lot of people that you may not know, right? And uh, Dan is probably one of the ones, he, he slowly and quietly have built quite uh, a real estate portfolio. And we'll get into some of that if you feel comfortable sharing sure. and yeah, whatever you course. feel comfortable. But maybe just uh, give us some backstory about um, where you are and who you're from and all that kind of wonderful stuff. Thank you, Russ. Yeah. So my name's Daniel. I grew up in Manitoba and moved to Calgary in 2006 when the boom was, was happening. Um, I quit my job and came here to invest in real estate and thought that um, I'd be retired the following year. <laughs> uh, that was that was around the time when the market stopped. So <laughs> Yeah, the land of milk and honey soon dried up. Yeah. <laughs> So that's when I started my investing career. I've been self-employed for the past 12 years. Um, solely um, uh, real estate is, is where all my income comes from. And it allows me to live the life that I want to live, spend time with my family, and not have to report to anyone or be on anyone else's schedule. Right. So, so it can be done that you can live off of a portfolio of real estate. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, Lord, not, not immediately. Not immediately. Yeah. So. My first year, I had a negative tax return. So uh, <laughs> I had expenses, but no income. Right. Well, that's that's typical, actually. Most 
buy and hold portfolios. Now, you actually do things a little bit different than just a straight buy and hold. Um, so what is your background? What was the career that you had left before that? I was in IT. Mm. So a lot of computer stuff. And I got scared when I was at the lake one day. I was chopping wood and my, my hands felt like they were cramping up. And I didn't know if that's because I was on the computer, on the keyboard too much. And I, at this time, I was in my early 20s. It, it really freaked me out. And I, I thought I don't want to do computer things anymore because I like being outside. And here I am trying to be outside and my hands aren't cooperating. So in my mind, that was tied to being at a computer. And I, I thought it's time for a change. Is it carpal tunnel type a little bit or is it? You know, it's it, it's gone, whatever yeah. it was. But <laughs> <laughs> It's being allergic to working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, okay, well, there's many places I can enter the conversation. So in order to live off of your portfolio of properties, well, how many properties do you currently have on the go right now? I think I'm involved in about 77, 76 stores, something like that. Yeah, 70. So, okay. Um, I don't manage all of them. I have other partners yeah. for different types of investments. So in some cases, you're actually the money partner on some on some properties. So, yes. so you actually have a perspective of the the whole realm of joint ventures from both sides of the both sides of the fence. Exactly, and right. I, I think that helps me with my partners because I I know what it's like being on the other side of the table. Yeah. And, and seventy seven, and you were just sharing with me like one of the things you you focus a lot on is um, rent to own. Yes. Um, what is your how many properties do you have uh, on the go right now with rent to own? I believe I'm down to about seven left, um, slowly selling them off. Um, a lot of them have extended to, to my advantage for several years and the cash flow on rent to own is phenomenal. So that's, that's not a bad thing, but I do have some six year deals going on now that were originally two, but due to life circumstances, um, market circumstances, they just carry on. If, if everyone's happy with, the way things are structured, then it's a great cash flow and, and you can live off of that. Right. And you were saying some of them are like $1,500 cash flow to you, give or take. On average, thirteen to 1500 a month. Yeah. yeah. And seven of those, that, that's, what is that? 12, almost 12 grand, give or take type of thing. You can live yes. off that, right? <laughs> Keep in mind, there's yeah. partners, so that gets yes. divvied up, but, but Yes. Well, that's actually one of the reasons why we're, we're going to really dive into the conversation is, so based on your best estimation, how much capital have you raised over the, you know, is it tw it's 12 years you were saying, right? Since, since you kind of yeah. dove in full time. So it's a couple million. I yeah. don't know. I don't know an exact number, but it's definitely um, down payment money. It's been a, a few million dollars that I've raised. Right. And hopefully not not cash calls but there's probably been a few of those of late too you know i've yeah. i've never had to do a cash call <laughs> hang on is there a lightning bolt gonna come down there really um, congratulations that's yeah, fantastic you talk about rent to own and yeah. because the cash is so great um one of the things i've done now is i keep a four to six month reserve fund yeah. on all my properties um minimum and there has been one or two properties that have dipped down, but I was able to fund them myself for short-term loans. So I didn't have to go back to my investors. So I guess technically there could have been yeah. a cash call, but I chose to 
to be the cash partner and put it, put it and, in yourself and, and give an interest free loan to the yeah. investments. Um, I know everyone has a different viewpoint on that, but someone very smart said to me once that when you're raising money initially, you're selling the investment to somebody and, and that's what they're expecting. And everyone's circumstance is different, but is it really fair to come back to that person and say, you know what, I, I screwed up. It's, it's not always the person screwing up. Sometimes the market really makes it awful for you and you have to do these things. But if you try very hard and to do everything that you can, you can minimize a lot of that. And it may be keeping a lot of money in the bank account so that you don't pay out those funds and you have a lot of money to dip into if times are bad. Yeah. And, and that person who said that, would, I think it almost quote word for word was, you ask somebody to buy into it once, you don't ask them to buy into it every month. <laughs> right? Exactly. And, yeah. and I think I know who that person was. I'm actually interviewing Arlen next uh, this coming week as well. So okay. that's who, who said that you probably heard or from. You or? know, he did say that. Um, I was I was thinking more Greg Habstrit, oh, yes. with, yeah. but Arlen said some pretty phenomenal things too. Well, whatever and, happened to Greg? I haven't heard anything from Greg. Have you? Sorry for time out here a little bit, guys. Is Greg? Yeah. He opened up a, a, um, a bricks and mortar vet business, a portable vet business that yeah. comes to your house, and yeah. and I I don't know what he's doing at the moment. I think um, I think he's moved on to something else now. But I okay. I'm a little out of touch, but very smart guy as well, yeah, phenomenal. I mean, what I learned in my real estate career. And I'm, I'm sure you can still get a lot of his audio. It's phenomenal. If you can grab a hold of the recordings that he's done in the past and yeah. sharp guy, fantastic guy. He was actually, look, it was quite a loss when he moved on to a different industry. So, yeah. So that means there's greater opportunities for other people to step Every, up. Everyone has to move on That's and right. do what they want to do. Um, one of the things is in a, a lot of conversations I'm having with people, um, the the whole conversation about fear like um, and the fear of uh, talking to people about money. Um, did you ever have that fear about bringing up a subject of money with people? And and uh, first of all, did you have that fear? And and were you, how were how did you ever get past that? Obviously, you got past it if you're if you're if we're able to raise capital from people. I had it. Um, there was a another really smart investor who you probably remember, Tony Peters. Mm, yes. He had a great acronym for fear, and it's false evidence appearing real. Yes, and. That made a lot of sense to me that, you know, what you're afraid of doesn't even really exist. And I've, I've done a lot of fearful things in my short lifespan. I've, I've jumped out of an airplane 15 and a half thousand feet. I've bungee with the, with the parachute, with the parachute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, bungee dive, um, into water. So you, you actually dive down into the water on the, on the dip and whitewater rafting where we bailed at the top of the rapids and, just not smart things, but I've done a lot of fearful things. <laughs> so I think, I think you just have to do something that you're afraid of to prove to yourself that you can do it. And then, I mean, talking to someone about money, it is false evidence because the person on the other side of the table has a problem and you're there to solve it. So you're afraid of helping someone and that's not really something you should be afraid of. It's something you should be geared to towards. Yeah. Well, if you actually think about it, in in essence, the fear is an internal thing. Um, it is 100%. The, the other person doesn't isn't is not fearing you talking to them about money, right? Right. As a matter of fact, they probably are looking for an answer and looking for a solution, and you not talking to them about it, you might be doing them a disservice. 
Very true. Right? You're, you're a solution provider. It's probably only the the close friends and family that that you that you targeted initially that are fearing you because because you were so awkward when you not not you but yeah. I'm thinking I'll back to me. And, and <laughs> I, you you say the wrong things, you go with the wrong approach, and and then maybe they do fear that conversation because you didn't listen to a right. guy like Russell saying this is this is why you want to do it and find out what that problem is that you're trying to solve and, and don't sound greedy just. You know, is, is there something I can help you with and, yeah. and change the conversation? Okay. Um, now I'm going to talk about, so of the money that you've raised, how many joint venture partnerships have you worked with over the, over the dozen or so years? I keep it pretty small. I think I've got six main ones that I, that I go to. Six main ones so, and then some, some other ones maybe that they've done ones that there's no yeah, longer active anymore, things yeah, like that. a couple one-offs. What I prefer... In my ideal world is to have few investors, but investors that are very qualified mm-hmm. to do a lot of deals so that you're not reworking the formula on on everyone. I know it's not easy to find people that have mm-hmm. deep pockets and and um, great qualifying abilities. So sometimes you have to start off in a different place. But I know of one investor that built a hundred property portfolio with only one other person's money, and that's phenomenal. And he's yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't get much well, simpler than that. You you figure out how to make this one guy happy, and he yeah. keeps writing checks. So. Well, you just took. I was just about to. I hope you guys heard that. So, seventy seven places. Um, you generate an income from the portfolio without you know having to have a job. Not that you don't do a lot of work. I know you do lots of work for it, um, and with half a dozen investors. So, guys, you don't need to have hundreds. You don't need 25 joint venture partnerships. You just need some good quality ones that uh, you actually have some really good deals with at the same time. Okay. So how do you, how do you find, and I'm going to take this a different direction here in a second, but how do you find your money partners so far? That's a good question because Ever, again, this is going to be different for everyone, but when I used to try to find money partners, I didn't find any. <laughs> uh, that's when I was uh, scaring people off, I guess. <laughs> so what really happened is, um, like you said, everything fear is all internal based. Mm-hmm. So is confidence. And I really worked on myself, a lot of self-development. I had hired a coach. I, I found I was comfortable in my own skin. And I think that's what comes across to other people is, you know, this guy is good at what he's doing. He's very comfortable. He's confident. He's not asking for my money. I want to invest with him. And, and that's the way that it's, I don't know if it was luck or that's, that's how, you know, the, the formula works. But once I started doing good deals with, with one investor and I was very confident in what I was doing and other people were noticing, then they do start to come to you and saying, how can I invest with you? So it's, it's more of an attraction, law of attraction, which I believe in a lot. It's, it's not for me. And like I said, everyone has a different approach, but I don't sit down and do presentations with people. I've never had to. I've, I've been fortunate to have people come to me and say, I know what you're doing. I like what you're doing. You seem like a smart guy. I trust you. How can I invest with you? Right. So, so you don't, you know, some people will, and I'm, I teach this to some people, you need to teach people to go out and, you know, become the expert and, you know, 
post videos and do a whole bunch of things on social media and Facebook. And, right. you know, here's my deal and here's the deal and here's I'm rocking and rolling and I'm shaking and baking and stuff like that and be out there. Some people, you have to do that. Right. Um, you just had uh, really good deals. And through your network of doing deals, people would just say, I like what you're doing. I like who you are. I like the, I like your family and all that kind of wonderful stuff. And they just said, can I invest with you? Did you ever tell them I'm looking for investment partners or did they just, uh, or they saw that maybe you were dealing or. I didn't tell that people that I was looking for investment partners, but I would let them know that I invest with partners. So mm. I would always make it clear when they say, you know, what do you do? I invest in real estate and, but I don't do it by myself. I, I raise money from people that are too busy to do it themselves or whatever the reason is. So I wouldn't, I would let them know who my partners are as part of the conversations as, and I guess part of that is so that I don't sit here and say, I own so many doors. It's like, Oh, but I only own a percentage of that. And, and maybe that's back to the, to the confidence. But I, I think that helps in, letting other people know that, okay, it's, here's not this rich, successful guy sitting there with a lot of money and he's doing really well. I like them to know that I do that by helping other people so that they'll start the conversation if they're interested. Right. So, so you subscribe to take amazing care of the people that you have. Right. And they will tell like people like them, and those people will eventually come back, will come to you from that right. as well. And and there's nothing better than a referral from a happy client and happy exactly. investor because that's really, that's the whole qualification process is almost done when somebody comes to you from your investor. They've come to you from that one investor who's already happy. They're just going, well, what's the process? How do I write you a check? Exactly. No presentation required. That has happened to me. Uh, a, a fantastic referral. Um, but... The person who who did the referral, how they became an investor was back when I was getting started, I, I did used to have a pro forma that I would carry around with me and I was bringing it to an event to show to someone and someone else that I was talking to just saw it in my hand and said, what do you have there? And I showed it to them. They're like, oh, that's interesting. Can I keep that? And I said, sure. And I thought nothing of it. So we both went our separate ways. And a few days later, I got an email and it said, you know, I really like that deal that you handed me. How can I invest? And it almost, my socks almost flew off my feet. I, cause Is I that wasn't. that one of your first ones? That was one of your first ones? One of my first uh, external joint venture partners outside of, family, outside right? of my family. Yeah. And I didn't ask them to invest. I, I, I just gave them a piece of paper that they asked for. I, I didn't even think that they might be interested. I thought that they were, uh, unapproachable on um, as a, a joint venture partner honestly yeah so that was it an active deal that you had on the go or was it something <laughs> you'd already bought it was or? something i already bought so it's funny i actually had to go back and say well <laughs> you know thank you for your interest but this one's no longer available i can oh, let, look at the close that you closed them right on the spot <laughs> i can let you know when the next one is and then i let it into what are you looking for yeah. and what type of investment what type of returns but uh it, I think it was it worked out in my favor that I I didn't have the deal anymore and 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 now I could kind of figure out what are they looking for and wow so I, I tell people this all the time is always always have a deal on the go 
right? And even if you don't have a deal on the go, have a deal that you maybe have done that you can show to people. And if you, even if you don't even have done a deal, have a deal that somebody else that has done that you would like to have. Like, this right. is my bread and butter. This is a deal I want to do. And this is the kind of example, like have exactly. an opportunity, right? Exactly. People get attracted to that opportunity. So, so really you, you know, almost the antithesis, easy for you to say, antithesis of all the teachings. Sometimes some of the things I teach is, you know, make sure you, you know, become an expert, you know, make sure you're out there in the public and you get uh, the attention and things like that. You, yours is just slow and steady, do the deal, get unbelievable referrals, and then just keep doing deals with people that have come that are already happy. Right. Right. And more than enough properties can transact that way. Right. Exactly. If you get the right partners, then I always wanted one partner per deal. I, I know some people have raised a lot of small chunks of money for one property. I, I think that would be an administrative nightmare, but I mean, yeah. you have to do what you have to do. Yeah. So if that's how you're going to put your first deal together or your second, or, or if you like a lot of admin, then, then great. But that's not me. I don't like admin. I, I like spending time with friends and family and, and not doing all the admin side of the but I imagine with an IT background, you probably have a very process-driven mindset um, with a lot of things. I've systemized a lot. Yeah. So that, and, that and we're going to get into that. We'll definitely get into that. So I'm going to just do a quick uh, reset of the cameras here. So everybody, we're just here with Daniel Borkowski, and we're just we're just getting started, guys. We have a lot of things we're going to cover in this next segment. We're going to dive headfirst into how you structure your deals into different splits, and maybe if there's ownership structures, maybe some of the processes. And the number one thing I really want to have a conversation with you, and we'll probably do it in this next segment, is I've heard your follow-ups program and how you follow up with your investors is almost legendary. So I want to dive headfirst into that, okay? So we're just going to reset the cameras and we'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.